Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Tolkien. Today is December 17th. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of Fellowship of the Ring, Book 2, Chapter 8, Farewell to Lorien. As always, we're going to start with Today in Middle-Earth, and then a recap of the events in last week, then moving into this week's reading, and finally, our favorites, both in the text and in the last week of our lives. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. All right, Katie, do you want to kick us off today with last week in Middle-Earth? This day in Middle Earth? Today in Middle <laughs> Earth. Last yeah. week in Middle well, Earth. I mean, yeah. you know, we could talk about last week if we wanted, but we'll go ahead and talk about today. Today is December 17th. Last week in Middle Earth sounds like a news magazine. On, like, some... It does. Yeah. Oh, now I want to, like, design how that would look. But anyway, today is December 17th. And on this day, the Hobbits are, yet again, still in Rivendell. Uh, we've been in Rivendell for almost two months now, and... Now is kind of the time when things are beginning to be planned for the impending departure. So there we go. And all being drafted into their, like, positions within the Fellowship. Oh, you can leave, yeah, but you well, got you got to at least leave the door. Well, because remember, at this time, pretty much the only solid, uh, like, plan was that Frodo was going to take the ring. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like that kind of comes through today. Yeah. And everybody is on like on edge and they're uneasy. You might say that this is the winter of their discontent. Oh, John. Yeah, I, I got Boromir it. was so Boromir was so out of it he had to toot his own horn. <laughs> that was dumb. That was I I, I topped up I t- I topped your dumb with my dumb. We have capped ourselves for bad jokes today. Oh, I got already. more. Don't worry. Oh, I have more. <laughs> Well, we have that to look forward to. <laughs> I did make a pun the other day that sailed right over somebody's head. I just got a job at a bookshop, and I said it was bound to happen, and they didn't get the double meaning of bound. Ha, 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 ha. I want to eat this microphone. Yeah, it was Sooty Chase. You would expect her to get that. Anyway. I, I would, yeah. Last week, Chase, what what, what did we read? Uh, We read The Lord of the Rings, part <laughs> two, part one, part book, book, book two book two and sorry i'm messing with you i'm going after like last week i was re-listening the episode today and realized we had this like thing we were renaming it um but they were still in i can't pronounce it lothlorien i know they're okay i know that part lothlorien but it was specifically they found lothlorien oh, yeah, they yeah. talk with galadriel the heart of the city that's the, the like the main city it's karis galadon karis garyon um so they're there <laughs> And they meet with uh, Galadriel and Celeborn. Yes. Yeah, Celeborn. And she looks into their brains and pokes around and makes them feel weird. Um, <laughs> and shows them, like, you know, this is what you'd get if you just left now. But mm-hmm. um, And then eventually Sam and Frodo are separated. And they see, they go with Galadriel into, like, this small garden area. And they see this mirror. And they look into it. And they see horrible stuff. And they decide to keep going. That's all I got to say about that. It's called Galadriel's Mirror, right? Yeah, the Mirror of Galadriel. Hold on. Is it Galadriel or Galadriel? Galadriel. Galadriel? Mm-hmm. I'm, I know I'm saying it wrong. I just feel it. I just feel like I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> now, now, if you remember, Celeborn is actually also the name of one of the seedlings of one of the two trees. Yeah. So I never, I never got that. Like, that always confused me. I was like, wait, isn't this a person? Wait, isn't this a tree? I don't know. I feel like we're like getting to the bits where Tolkien is like, oh, yeah, some people do share names, actually. 
if a tree well, is, a, is a people. We've talked about but that two weeks ago, too. I think the, the, the main thing is that no two elves have the same name, uh, which is why the whole, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Glorfindel thing. But yeah. And there was a Celebrimbor. Yeah, which is a similar. Name. Well, it's a different name, but it's similar. And we're going to talk a little bit about somebody else who has another similar name, too. What, Kellagorm? No. Oh, okay. We'll get there. Kel- we'll get there. Kella Katie. No. Kella John. We'll get there. Kella Chase. Kella Chase sounds like an awesome name. That's my wrestler name I'm going to go by when I join the WWE in the future. So stick around for that. Okay. And in addition to stick around, stick around for the rest of our show. We'll be right back with you in a sec. Thanks for listening to Talking Tolkien. In addition to our podcast, there are other ways for us to keep in touch with you. You probably know about our Twitter and our Facebook, both at Talking Tolkien, and we've also recently launched a newsletter as well. If you'd like to join our newsletter, please visit TalkingTolkien.com slash sign up. Also, you can sign up at the sidebar of any page on TalkingTolkien.com. Thanks. All right, so this week we read Chapter 8 of Book 2 of Fellowship of the Ring, Farewell to Lorien. So... Last week, we left with, you know, as Chase said, the temptation at the mirror, Galadriel didn't take the ring, etc. And so we pick up later that night uh, where the company was summoned to the chamber where they went the first night uh, and Celeborn is there and Galadriel is there. And I this is the first time they've seen Celeborn since that first night, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Celeborn basically gives them each the option to just stay in Lorien. Um they all choose to continue again, as we we hope that they will. But it's yeah. So it it's kind of every time they're given this option of turning back, it's like you know these uh, continuous temptations, right? And it, they just keep coming. Just yep. after it's like, hey, seriously, you just you could you could stick around here. You could stay here if you want. Nobody's gonna force you to do yeah, anything. Yeah, you got drafted into this. Right. Um, bad stuff's ahead. Seriously, seriously, this is like the last Elven stronghold. You're gonna. This is the last time you're gonna get to rest in a place like this for a while. Yeah. So seriously. Yeah. But they all can. They all continue to go on with the quest. Well, and so then his next question is: Okay, since none of you are staying here, where are you going? Like. I, and the answer to that is, um, well, we nobody really knows. We seek the Holy Grail. Um, <laughs> we seek the Holy Grail. Yeah, and because at this again, because at this, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> at, at this point, they need to make a decision because they're if if they're going to Minas Tirith first, then they should go like over land. But if they're gonna go instead, just like directly to Mordor, then they're on the border of a river that they need to cross. Yeah, so. You know, Aragorn is kind of the de facto leader right now. Again, he, you know... Much to Boromir's dismay. Right. Uh, Aragorn took up the charge immediately after Gandalf fell in Moria. And, you know, Aragorn didn't know what Gandalf's plan was after Lorien. He he knew as far as Lorien, that's where he was headed. But he didn't know what what was the plan afterwards. So, yeah, Boromir wants to go to Minas Tirith. So here's this dilemma now. Minas Tirith is on the west side of the river... And Mordor, where the ring must ultimately go to be destroyed, is on the east side of the river. So 
However, they they truly they don't really need to decide actually for a few days because they will get to a point on the river where they can't go anymore, and then at that point they need to certainly decide yes. east or west. Yeah, <laughs> like as somebody who once again I had to uh, pull up a map, and I found John was referencing last week there there are these some beautiful interactive maps you could find online that kind of trace out the mm-hmm. paths of everybody. Yeah, and uh, I I used that and I was looking at it and I realized you know I, actually. I was like following it and I was going, actually, there's not that big of a di- difference. They could just follow the river all the way down. It's just, on yeah, once su- they get to I mean, a certain point, that's when they have to decide. But then I looked at it and realized, oh, there's like, there's a, I, I don't know if I spoiled it for myself, but there's a blockade of sorts. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say exactly what, but you're right. There's yeah. definitely some point where they have to like, I, so at yeah. first when I was looking at that going, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. They're making this seem a little bit more serious than it really well, is. But this, this is definitely one of those books where you're glad for the map that's provided at the front oh, and the back I'd of the be book so because you're, damn const- you're constantly consulting it. It's great. What is, uh, what is Fangorn anyway? Yeah. Oh, now I know. You know, I'm right. surprised there's not an app out there that's like traces your daily steps and like puts you on the map of. Hey, Middle someone end. make that app so that I can put all of my steps in and see how far that I have walked in comparison to Frodo and Sam. I that mean, you could, we could probably work that L- out that now. That could be your exercise challenge is like deliver the ring to Mordor in the same amount of time. There you go. I guess they do have uh, like several months long breaks, so it wouldn't be that bad. It wouldn't be like 20 so miles sit, per day. So no. sit around eating for like two months in like November to December. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, But so the, they, the, the company kind of goes back to their pavilion. So Galadriel uh, counsels them not to worry about it tonight, what, not to talk anymore about the road ahead tonight just to get some sleep. But Well, but uh, they... before this happens, though, like, Celeborn says, well, it sounds like you don't know, but you're going to need boats, so I'm going to give you boats. Yeah. I know some of you know how to use boats, you know, Aragorn and Boromir and Legolas. And Mary's like, excuse me, I know how to use boats, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Mary, my, my, Mary pipes up. <laughs> my people are from the river. And, and Celeborn had this, like, tone of, like, okay, yeah, whatever. All right. It's like, <laughs> hey, I, I liked the way he phrased it. He was like, not all of us look at boats as wild horses or something like that. And then, And then it was... There's a note that the only member of the party who seemed as uneasy about the concept of boats as about wild horses was Sam. Was Sam? And I was like, yeah. that's because Sam can't make friends with the with the boat. <laughs> there you go. I wouldn't stop him from trying. <laughs> but so anyway, the the company afterwards goes back to their pavilion and decide to kind of talk things out a bit. And you know, again, they still don't really know what to do. Uh, most of them seem to kind of want to go to Minas Tirith because that's a little farther away from Sauron. Well, uh, and also it's a it's a known allied stopping point. Yeah. Um, that's not, I mean, because Rohan is a little questionable right now after Gandalf was talking about it. Right. So it's a little bit understandable that there's going to be a big, long stretch of this journey where they might not be in a hospitable area. Right. So, you know, they're having this kind of discussion, and Frodo and Aragorn are kind of notably quiet uh, during this time. And Aragorn is still kind of himself uh, contesting with himself what should he do, because his he had planned to go with Boromir to Minas Tirith, take the sword there, help restore Gondor to its former glory, right? That was his plan that he wanted to do. But then Gandalf 
falls in Moria and all of that changes now because again as we said Aragorn is kind of now the leader of this group of people and feels this responsibility yeah. also during this time Boromir yeah, yeah Boromir yeah, is, is shows a, a, a strange reluctance almost to destroying the ring I mean there's also like I wouldn't call it hostility, mm-hmm. but he's acting like, like there's this great bits where like he's talking and he's like speculating about like like t- taking the ring to Mordor versus like just straight up going to Minas Tirith right. and like sending armies out. But then like having this realization, maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud. Well, well, and... and even what he says, he says to Frodo, why should we throw it away? And then he kind of catches himself like, what was I talking about? Throw it away. And then so he says throwing lives away, right, to try and kind of yeah. cover it. But it's yeah, it's very strange. And it's it's, you know, Boromir seems so what... to be kind of hesitant about this thing that they've all agreed to do now in destroying the ring. So what we've established is that Boromir is Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and so this, this is, this is an important moment because these are kind of the first, I mean, not the first, but more signs of how the ring can corrupt people. Right. Because, and, and that the corruptive power of the ring is an actual threat to the entire group of people. Uh, note that Boromir is not like outwardly, you know, he, he's not evil or anything. He's he, he, he's not at, at this moment wanting to take it for himself or anything. But just the fact that he's thinking once again, oh, but we could use it and, you know, use it against Sauron, which we've all heard many times in the past. No, 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 that's no good. We can't do that. Well, and in juxtaposition to Gladrail, like a couple of pages earlier, you know, yeah. she, she caught herself realizing that this is a bad idea for her own means, whereas Boromir is only kind of doing it because everybody's like, um... Right. Give like, you don't really get the impression that look. Boromir actually thinks what he suggested was necessarily wrong. Right. But oh, he, but yeah, he, exactly. That's he, what I was feeling like the entire time. Yeah, but he kind of hears himself saying it and then realizes, oh, wait, what I'm saying is not... <laughs> However, I mean, I say things that I'm thinking out loud sometimes in the ways, like, I was working on a computer today and I was calling it a piece of garbage and didn't realize I was saying that out loud. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there, we, there we have kind of another glimpse into the corruptive power of the ring. Yes, it's a little. I mean, I still think it's a little bit more. I don't know. I'm still sitting in this point where it's like I wouldn't say Boromir is directly corrupted by the ring yet. He's still like under the aspect of we could use this thing against them, but it's like not quite. I'm, I'm saying like it's got its tendrils in him, but I don't think this is corruption. No, I mean, it's not quite there yet. I'm not saying that this is entirely the ring speaking here. I mean, you know, Boromir has had these sentiments from the very beginning, but just again, the fact that he's voicing this opinion now again, that he doesn't think we should throw it away. Yeah. 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 He's been around it a little too long. So then they all go to bed. And then they wake up the next morning and they're, it's time to leave. Yes. So some elves come to them. It's specifically elves that speak their language. So some elves they mm-hmm. can communicate come and like bring them some some items. And among them are little flatbreads wrapped up in leaves. And Gimli is like, ugh, cram. 
which yeah. <laughs> if you remember from the hobbit is basically hard tack and very unpalatable and he breaks Not very tasty he breaks a little corner off and he's like oh mm. and then he eats the entire thing and the elves are laughing and watching and like okay you need to slow down no, there no. yeah no 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 that's a whole day's you've eaten an entire day's ration <laughs> and he's like this is better than the honey cakes that the bjornings make or bayornings yeah uh yeah bjornings yeah i i really like that little touch too um we just get a little hop we... a lot of hobbit in that page yeah so so yeah and this so this is called lambus Lambus. And I'm going to say it again. Lambus. It's not Lambus bread. Lambus. Is it Lampus? Wait, hold on. What was that again? Lambus. Lambus. Oh. <laughs> you sh- after a year, you should come to expect this. Lam lam Is it lam? Is it like llama? Is it like lambus? Lambus. Uh, don't worry about it. Lambus. So, so fun fact about Lambus. When I was on wait wait don't tell me earlier this year i you know they're like oh so tell us about yourself and i was like oh i host a podcast on tolkien sadly they cut that part out in the broadcast and you know what last week's episode they let somebody talk about her podcast so i'm a little tiffed that i didn't get to <laughs> us understandable out. anyway uh, anyway uh my first question was about quinoa and peter sagel made a joke he was teasing me about how quinoa is like limbus I don't think that's true at all. Well, you know, it was just part of the banter. I also happened yeah. <laughs> happened to have had quinoa for dinner, so I mentioned that. Anyway, uh, I do really like quinoa. But, I really want to make lambus bread. Are there recipes out there? Yes, there are, and I'll I'll show you one. I'm, but the but what what I was wanting to say here is that a lot of people like to say lambus bread, which is basically like saying whey bread bread. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it what just people, always makes me. It's giggle. like when people say chai tea. Yeah. It's like you're saying tea tea. Tea tea. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, or, yeah. So they or a, a cafe coffee. Yeah, yeah. Or a latte milk. Do people say that? Do people say or that? Or a bacon pork. Okay, I'm gonna move. That's on. something I say. So, in addition to this tasty bread that can sustain a man for an entire day and that will keep as long as it's unbroken and still wrapped in these leaves, you know, they also are given these cloaks that are super light but also very strong, and they're made by the Galadrim, and they're all each of them is fashion, fashioned, fastened. I can't speak uh, by a leaf brooch that's. Um, very beautiful and i think kind of you know is a little memento of of lothlorien and will remind them all of their time there well and one of the hobbits was it one of the hobbits was it mary or was a pippin i i don't know what you're asking well one of them asked you know the question <laughs> i was asking so it's like are these weird or something you oh know? Are, are these magic <laughs> yeah, yeah magic, these, yes. these do weird stuff and, you know <laughs> yeah so and again you know, it's kind of every time that they use the word magic, it's this kind of idea. Well, I don't know exactly what you mean by that word. They are made by elves, yes, but they're not. You know, they're not going to shield you from an arrow or a sword or anything. But they do have certain properties uh, in that they sort of almost seem to change color at times, so they can sort of conceal you, uh, and that they're also, you know, they'll keep you warm when you need warmth and. But they're but they they can also cool. I, I don't know why, but my imagination with these things kind of uh, hinted towards you know um, when there's oil and water and it hits the light right and it makes that like 
shimmering like iridescent kind yeah of. Mm -hmm. my brain kind of went to that if you like twist it just slightly it would like have that for yeah. like a millisecond it's like you know, know kind why. of a, a grayish greenish brown that like fluctuates between those yeah. depending yeah. on what it's, it's you know it's it's, it's it's elf camouflage it's like my eyes <laughs> there you go they're greenish brownish oh yeah i wish they were just greenish greenish <laughs> So, yeah, they have, uh, you know, in addition to these gifts, as we've been told before, Caliborn has supplied them with boats that will take them down the river. Uh, and now it is time to leave the city. So our friend Haldir comes back and he's like, I'm going to be your guide through the Dimril Dale because it is very foggy. Is it foggy? No, is he full of vapor and clouds of smoke. And if you guys tried to find your way, you'd get lost. Also, if you tried to come back, you'd get lost. So just follow me. Well, yeah, basically he tells them they won't be able to go north. They, yeah, for, yeah, they have try. to continue to go south. So he takes them out of the city. And now they're kind of continuing along the banks of the river. And... So now they, they reach their boats and the elves have prepared their boats and loaded them with all of their supplies, including rope. And Sam's which, like, what's this? Yeah, which Sam is also very happy about because remember several times so far throughout the journey, he has kind of cursed the fact that he didn't bring a rope yeah. with him. And then now he's encountering not just rope, but like crazy elf rope. Right. It's very thin, but it's very strong, and it seems to be made of kind of similar to the stuff that their cloaks are made of. Yeah. And so Sam asked them about it, and I really liked this with the elves. They were kind of like, oh, well, had we known you were interested in rope making, we could have told you all about it before. But alas, we don't have time for that. Uh, we don't so. have time for that now. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> this is like when Bilbo was like, oh, I could have re repaired your sword in the two months you've been here, but I didn't think about but it. So just have mine. So here's staying, whatever. But to be fair, I mean, that was that was a pretty great upgrade, though. And so is this. So, so into the boats they go. Well, there are three boats, and Haldir says, like, these boats aren't going to tip, but they can be a little tricky, so you should practice getting in and out of them while you're at land. Yeah. And they, they, like, a nice touch is the paddles are leaf-shaped. Uh, yeah. So they have three boats, and so it's Aragorn, Frodo, and Sam in one boat, and Boromir, Merry, and Pippin in the next boat. And the last boat is Legolas and Gimli, who, the text informs us, have become quite good friends. Which we love to see. And then, um, since that boat only has two people in it, it also has most of their provisions. Yeah. They get a lot of banter, too, in this chapter. Well, near at, the end. At, yeah. at the end of it, yeah. Which is something that I'm going to want to talk about. Um, so, they st off they go down the river. When, no, they paddle. Then, they paddle up the river. Er, or, yeah, paddle, paddle up the river. Aragorn's like, we need to like practice with the boat, so we're going to go up river a little bit. Yeah, and so then they see this kind of huge swan coming towards them. Yeah, and, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, as it comes closer, they realize it's a huge kind of boat that's fashioned after a swan, and it's got its wings up and all that, you know. And there are a couple of elves that are paddling it, and it's Galadriel and Celeborn. I couldn't get past this. I just couldn't. I just kept thinking of, like in, like in branches of the Ride the Ducks. That's all I could think about was just Ride the Ducks, but in Lorien. I just couldn't get past it. You know, somebody so was somebody you. was killed by some of those boats a couple years ago. 
Oh no, those have a death toll. Like they really do. If y'all don't know what you're talking about, just just search for "Ride the Ducks" and well, you will see <laughs> tour the city and the and then the water. I will say <laughs> that this is quite a bit more majestic than the "Ride the Duck" boats. I I could agree with that. They're not covered in puke and you know oh. rum and whatever horrible things <laughs> lie on the streets of Branson. Yeah, they killed two people in Philadelphia in 2010. And I remember that when another that person in Philadelphia in 2015. So apparently only in Philly do they kill people. But note to self, don't ride the duck boats. <laughs> P- period. Not even in like in Philadelphia, just period. Just period. Anywhere. So Galadriel is also singing this song, which is a very sad song. And it's all kind of about the waning of Lorien. Um and it mentions kind of going back to Valinor and leaving Middle Earth. And it talks about, you know, the gold leaves falling. And um, it's all incredibly somber. Grave and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, so that's the thing that this grave and beautiful thing is going to just fade away. We're reminded, we've been reminded several times through the past couple chapters. So they the, the company now have this one final feast with Galadriel and Celeborn. This is their parting gift to them. They say, you know, we haven't actually had a, a, a proper feast with you yet, so that will be our parting gift. It's basically like a picnic, yeah. which is pretty great. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of like, Frodo notices, he, he's looking at Galadriel, and he thinks that she looks, I like the way that he puts it, both present and yet remote, a living vision of that which has already been left far behind by the flowing streams of time. Which is, again, just reiterating the fact that the elves are just fading away. And it also it feels different but similar to... I mean, we got this earlier on. I'm going to reference the first chapter right now <laughs> the very first chapter we had bilbo mm-hmm. and the way he was talking yeah. about being too old and feeling thin yeah. and like he was done this keeps coming up we have older individuals in this world constantly just either describing themselves or someone on the outside is describing this fading sensation mm-hmm. or this just everything is it i feel like it's the age moving on. Like it's mm-hmm. just the switch over of the ages feel they all feel it. Yeah. This is it. Um so yeah, so they, they have this feast and Caliborn gives them some advice about places to avoid, particularly Fangorn Forest. Uh and then I kind of like Boromir sort of dismisses this and calls it an old wives' tale that uh and and that you know oh I I think Fangorn is fine I'm sure I could contend with it and 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 then Caliborn kind of responds not to not to dismiss uh what what you call an old wives tale so quickly because he says that uh he says that oft it may chance that old wives keep in memory word of things that once were needful for the wise to know. <laughs> That is, and that's a, all he says on the matter. That is the Tolkien advice fact of the day. <laughs> just keep that one in mind as you go through your week. Right now, now I'm just imagining Caliborn like, like finding a, a wart on his hand, so he cuts a potato in half and rubs it on the wart, and then buries the potato. 
<laughs> hey, you never know. So then Galadriel was like, okay, so see you later. But first we got some presents for you. More gifts. And who, who goes first? It's Aragorn. Aragorn. Aragorn gets, uh, um, why am I having trouble with this word? Sheath. Sheath, yeah, yeah. A sheath for his sword. And specifically that, why did I lead this? Because I don't actually remember what it does. It, well, any sword that comes out of it is imbued with some sort of... Well, she basically tells him that your sword will not fail. There we go. Andoril yeah. will not fail. And yeah, so the, the sheath is very, of course, kingly and majestic, fitting for that sword. Um, and So it's plus, plus five, the durability of any weapon. Isn't it? <laughs> <So>. Right. <laughs> and then she asks him, what else would would you ask for and aragorn kind of you know he's he basically says well you already know what i would want but it's not yours to give even if i would ask you for it um so so she kind of responds to that by saying well i'll i'll give you this instead to kind of give you hope and she gives him something that has been left for her to give to him should he ever pass through this area right and what it is is it's this kind of beautiful sparkling green gem and it's set in a brooch that looks like an eagle with its wings out outspread and the description of it i love it flashed like the sun shining through the leaves of spring and so what she tells him is that this was given to her um or uh, she uh, she gave this stone to Kel- uh Brian, who is her daughter and in turn, she gave it to her daughter. So, do you remember who Celebrion is? Who? Elrond's wife. Oh, there we go. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, who would yeah. their daughter be? Uh, Arwen. Yes. Yeah. So, now this is given to Aragorn as kind of a token of hope. And this is also encouraging him to take up the name that was foretold for him, which is Elisar. Um, and this is the elf stone of the house of Elendil that has been oh, given to him yeah. now. Okay, that was a very cool description of that thing, mm-hmm. and the way. And then like Aragorn puts it on his chest. I got very worried for it, very like instantly. Like, that <laughs> that thing is going to break off. I just got. I mean, I I I don't know. I can't explain it. I just got instantly worried for it. But it was a very cool gift with a lot of like character meaning behind that. Yeah, very serious character meaning behind it. Right. So this is Yeah, this I mean it's 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 a token basically left for him by Arwen um to give him hope and strength when he needs it. Mm-hmm. And then she gives to Boromir a gold belt and also to Marion Pippin a gold belt. Silver belts with a gold clasp, I think, specifically oh, yes. for them. Yeah. They, yeah. they had like a um a gold leaf, a leaf, or, or it was flower. or flower, flower. flower on. Yeah. I also said cauliflower, and that would have been way wrong. But yeah, um, and then to Legolas, he got a bow, a really, a really cool, cool bow, bow. Uh, and also some bows or some bows to go with that bow, some arrows <laughs> hey, to yo, go with that bow. I heard you like bows, bows. so I gave you bows with your bow, so bows you can bow while you bow. Uh, and then she gets to. Sam. Sam. Okay, I was going to say well, Gimli, but she goes to Sam. I, well, with regard to the bow for Legolas, though, like the string is of elf hair. Yeah. Which I th- and it was made. It was made by the Galadrim. So. Because their bow, their bows are better than the Mark Woodian bows. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like upped Legolas's archery level. <laughs> so it's like uh. Plus. 
That's the word. I'm looking for it. My RPG terminology is failing me at the moment. Never mind. I don't no, know. It's been too Well, long. I mean, he would just get a new weapon. A new weapon. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 wouldn't, would like, it wouldn't be a modifier. It would It would just be a stronger weapon. Yeah, exactly. A stronger weapon. Yeah. Okay. So now we move on to Sam. And to Sam, Galadriel gives this small box that's marked with G for Galadriel or G for garden, she says, perhaps. In your language. In your language. And what is in this little box is some earth from her garden. Dirt. Yep, just dirt. <laughs> some, just some dirt. I got a jar of dirt. <laughs> no. But, but, but I mean, again, so this earth is, is pretty, pretty darn special, though, because basically you sprinkle this anywhere and it's going to cause the earth to sprout into bloom, right? So, you know, Sam, when this is, to, again, to give Sam hope that when he returns home to his garden... He can, you know, fortify it, and he will have a garden unlike any other on this world. And also... It will remind him of Lothlorien. Literally, the only person in this group who can appreciate... What I like about all the Galadriel's gifts is the only, the person she gives it to is the only person who could really appreciate it. Yeah. And that is the, like, topmost of that, because literally no one else could probably, probably care about I that. I mean, she gave and- Mary and Pippin identical gifts, so she kind of, like... She was like, I was just running. She just like grabbed a hop. She just like grabbed some belts out of the hopper that she had. I don't know about this Boromir guy or these two other hobbits. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then she also says something that I, I really like too. And she, so basically she says, you know, your garden, nothing will compare to your garden because, and it will remind you of what you've seen here. And, but then she kind of says, you know, you have only seen Lothlorien and in its winter though it's spring and summer have already passed and will never come again on this world yeah ah. <laughs> so once again the elves are leaving and so will the magic it will leave so next we come to our friend Gimli well I wanted to say quickly on Sam's though like I like how her mm-hmm. gift requires Sam to like survive yeah. Because basically to everyone else so far, she's given them gifts that will help them on their journey somehow. But like Sam is like, okay, you have to survive to use this. You're not going to be able to use this for like a year and a half, but you need to endure. So like, it's almost like she's giving him like a goal. Motivation. Yeah. Even more so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, so now we move to Gimli. And Galadriel asks Gimli, "What what does he want?" Because I don't want she, anything. She has no idea. I don't want anything. You know, I just just being here and being in your presence was well enough. You know, is what he says. And I love Galadriel's response to that, where she basically tells all the elves, you know, so everyone says that dwarves are gifted with their hands and not with their tongues, and yet this uh, this dwarf is just given, you know, such such a great. Uh, response and he's so gracious this is wonderful um and then so finally Gimli reluctantly kind of says after she asks him and so what but what what can I give you and and he reluctantly asks for a single strand of her hair um and says that it surpasses the gold of the earth and the stars no, like the stars surpass oh, the gems. As the stars surpass the gems of the mine, which, again, coming from a dwarf, that's pretty high praise. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. Just keep it. Well, yeah. Remember back to this time. So Gimli, well, he, he says he, he would put it in a crystal and treasure it as a memento 
and kind of a token of the good faith between them, between their races that they've kind of struck up now. So Galadriel agrees, and she gives him three hairs. Oh. And then she also blesses his hands and hopes that they will flow with gold, but that also the gold will not have any power over him, you know. So I just want to talk about this gift that Galadriel (laughs) has given Gimli here, because this is quite the thing. So if we look at in the unfinished tales in the history of Galadriel and Celeborn, I had to look this up, so I made sure that I got this right. Um, So we're told that Feanor, remember Feanor, who was... Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty great elf warrior from the ancient, ancient, ancient times, uh, but also did some pretty horrible things. You so- don't say. <laughs> you, you, going after the things he created at all costs? Yeah. So. Maybe, yeah. Anyway, we're told that Feanor asked her three times for a tress of her hair, and she wouldn't give him one strand. Remember, she so she she kind of saw the darkness within him, and after that, they were unfriends forever. Is the words that are used. So remember that she kind of always distrusted him because of mm-hmm. you know the fire that she saw burning in him. Um, you know, he's one of these great warrior elves, but at the same time, you know, it kind of has some darkness about him. She also was the one person who refused this ridiculous blood oath that he made with his seven sons to regain the Silmarils, you know? Um, So, but anyway, after she had denied him the lock of her hair, that's kind of one of the things that inspired Feanor to make the Silmarils were to capture the light of her hair that he was so fascinated by, right? Which also captured the light of the trees. Um... So then we, we know what all goes down with the Silmarils and he becomes covetous of them and does this whole blood oath thing and goes insane. So now Putting we have, it lightly. Yeah. <laughs> so now we have uh, Gimli who asks her for a lock of her hair only after she's basically pressured him, please ask me for a gift that I can give you. Um, and so now he says... If, you know, he would put it in a crystal. So making kind of a crystal out of it. However, not to covet as his own, but to stand as a symbol of this kind of friendship between elves and dwarves. Um, so it's a symbol for hope for them. This is a huge difference between these two people who have now yeah. asked for a lock of her hair. So she grants him three hairs. Eat it, Feanor. <laughs> that was so. <laughs> that I mean, I great. I remember I remember this now, but of course it didn't hit me while I was reading this. But well, and it didn't. Damn. You know, the, the, the whole asking for a strand of hair—that's not actually told in the Silmarillion. But I remember you, the unfinished but, tales. But I remember but, you talking about this previously. You ref, you have referenced that before. I just really love this kind of. I, I'm just imagining Feanor like going up to a glum looking Gladriel and telling her like, you should smile. You'll be prettier. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, this was, this is such a bit of mastery on Tolkien's part here. Uh, I really love it. This might be like the ultimate book or something that taking road, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and then Frodo's gift. Yeah. So Frodo is gifted a crystal vial of water that contains some water from her fountain and is captured within this water as the light of Arendelle's star. 
um, which is going to serve as a light for Frodo in dark places when all other lights go out. So if we remember Urendil's star, and we discussed this last week, so there's no need to go in depth specifically, this is the light of a Silmaril captured in this vial. And what is the light of a Silmaril but the light of one of the the trees? Trees, trees, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we got tree light, the Silmaril, the star, (laughs) and then this little thing. So it's like filtered through multiple Couple couple of lenses. Yeah, a couple of lenses <laughs> over the course of thousands and thousands of years. Man, but what, maybe millions of years. I don't know. But what <laughs> was it that Melkor hated the most? The stars. Well, I was going to say the light of the trees. Well, the oh, light yeah. of the trees, but yeah, afterward wow. the stars. So he doesn't realize this, but she's actually giving him an incredibly potent weapon against evil. Yeah. Yeah. So Galadriel's gifts that she's given them, I, I really like what we can read into them so they're all useful um but they're all and they're all needed kind of along yeah at, at some point along this quest and they also s- kind of symbolize what we're trying to preserve in middle earth which is civilized peaceful life and prosperity so like we have you know the the soil that's prosperity and growth which you know doesn't happen in wartime or especially if if middle earth were, were to fall it would not happen again well i mean think about like aragorn's sheath that will not fail him we don't need right. him to fail because he'd be the next king representing the line of from the numenorians and all that stuff uh gold belts need to be preserved because fashion um <laughs> well e- even even you know her strand of hair is again a symbol of reconciliation well and also she's gonna be gone mm-hmm. pretty soon so that's going to be probably one of the last things to remain of her in this world. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So if I may, just briefly, briefly, because I don't think we're going to have time for this in the movie episode, talk about the slight changes they made for that in the movie, is instead of giving Mary and uh, Pippin belts, she gives them daggers. Yeah, because right. Because they cut out the Barrow White section in the movie. So that's how mm-hmm. they came by those daggers instead. And mm-hmm. instead of giving Sam a box of dirt, she gives him a rope because they rope. cut out the bit where he was excited about the rope. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, I, 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 lo- I just love that gift passage. It's, you know, so it's, it's it was excellent when I was reading it because that was like that was the top thing of this chapter, because after this, it's really just. So this is our Christmas episode, guys. What gifts? <laughs> what gifts should we give each other that are going to imbue special, uh, special things about our Earth that we should preserve? Uh, it's based upon some weird aspects of history that need to be preserved. I don't. Uh, maybe an actual copy of the Constitution. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to think on that. Um, so now with these gifts, uh, they leave Lorien on their boats down the great river and i really like how it's described as they're leaving um so there's this passage and it says uh so that they're leaving galadriel and they kind of see her as they they pass on the river now 
and it says, as they passed her, they turned and their eyes watched her slowly floating away from them. For so it seemed to them, Lorien was slipping backward like a bright ship masted with enchanted trees sailing on to forgotten shores while they sat helpless upon the margin of the gray and leafless world. So the departure of the fellowship is kind of, for me, representing the departure of elves from Middle-earth. But it's also, like, the visual image of Lorien slipping away, mm-hmm. right? Instead of their own movement, it's it's as if Lorien is slipping a- away, like, into obscurity. I think that's just masterful. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to miss, mm-hmm. especially after our discussion last week where... You know, these elves have kind of realized that the last time they tried to meddle in this sort of stuff, they really messed up. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to go out of the way to make sure that doesn't happen again. So, yeah, the fading out, like, it is almost like she's just kind of staying, like, it is like she's just fading away. Mm -hmm. Like, just not even, like, moving away from them, just, like, disappearing. So it is, yeah. 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 And then it's also, you know... you rivers are always a symbol of passage of time right Mm -hmm. so again the river itself is time passing and they're (laughs) moving passing out of existence basically impermanence all that fun stuff just love it so now galadriel sings them another song as they're kind of floating away and she's singing it and in this very ancient elf language that we know of from you know way back uh, and quickly, I just want to give a suggestion. The on the topic of river as a passage of time, or the idea mm-hmm. of a passage of time at all. Um, Avon and Mark, who I do my Shakespeare podcast with, have their own podcast. We talked about it before. The Endless Knot, and episode six of their podcast is called "Paddle Your Own Canoe." And mm-hmm. throughout the entire episode, they just examine uh, the resurgence of this narrative of. of a journey through time. So it, I think it's really fascinating. I think it would be something worth checking out. So episode six of the endless knot podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I also, you know, several poems come to mind to uh, uh, using river rivers flowing and things changing passage, time passing, all that fun stuff. Um. I, I just wanted to say I can't help but think within this because I just like briefly just blitz through rereading the translation of what she is saying or singing. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but un- it's it feels like Galadriel's goodbye to Middle Earth mm-hmm. as well as, hey, it's like a I'm leaving right now. Don't forget the past. And keep your eyes on what you got to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of tone I'm getting. Like, it's, it's, I mean, elves don't die in the same sense that humans die. They just go off to the Grey Havens, correct? So, I can't but feel like or, this is or her, to the like, Halls of Mandos. The Halls of Mandos. The, yeah, mm-hmm. the Halls of Mandos. And it's like, I can't help but feel like that. This is, this is her, it's her deathbed speech in a way. Like, this is like the, I, I mean, I'm kind well, of. like, it, it's just, it kind of feels like that. It's like, this is my last chance to get what I got to get said, said, mm-hmm. and you better get it now. Or, I mean, I like how this book is kind of like starting to wind down a little bit in the sense of like, 
the first leg of this journey is almost over mm-hmm. and you guys have got worse things to deal with and just don't forget about us and don't forget what you have to do and she's also kind of that you know the song is also mentioning you know that the hope to find valimar right yes um, yeah and yeah she I just, there's a a call to varda or elbereth as well you know many of the elf songs kind of praise varda and elbereth for the stars and yeah definitely it's about passage of time and uh we're leaving remember what has happened in the past and do what you need to do (laughs) so now they uh they're floating along and of course their hearts are very heavy leaving leaving the forest behind them and gimli has this Gimli and Legolas have this great conversation and Gimli kind of laments the fact that he has known joy now that they have, they've been to this place Mm -hmm. because now he'll never see it again. Uh, And Legolas comforts him by saying that you will always have this in your memory. Right. Yeah. And then, and then we have this kind of interesting, they have a different, both of them have a different take on memory. So Gimli and the dwarves for memory for them is like a mirror. Uh, and Gimli makes mention of um, oh, what is the mirror called? Oh, I know what you're talking Kelet about. Zaram. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then for you know for Legolas and the elves, memory is more like being in the waking world. And we've talked about this before that you know m- the elves heavily heavily turn to memory. Um, and yeah, it's it's much much more real and tangible for them almost. Well, that's because they lived it. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. So. And with that, we kind of end the chapter. Pretty much yeah, end it does the end, chapter, yeah. yeah. I mean, they kind of have a glimpse of where they're going, and that's it. What's, that, what's the name of the next chapter again? Uh, the next chapter Corgi's in the Dark. The, I don't the know. The Great River. Yeah, oh. The Great River. Yes. Great river. So next week, we will be reading and discussing The Great River. We had somebody ask us on Twitter to make sure to announce that. So next week, chapter nine, book two, Fellowship of the Ring. We probably should have been doing this from the beginning. And there is a calendar on the- <laughs> It's just something I never had thought of. <laughs> yeah. There is a calendar on the website that has like a little uh, event for each article. I mean, each episode that we post. And in the information on that, it says the chapter, but we never actually publicized that either. So if yeah. you do want to read along with us and haven't just been reading basically a chapter a week now, uh, you know- you know where to check. Yeah. So with that, what was your favorite parts? Hmm. I don't know if I can choose between <laughs> them because so I mean, the, I mean the, chapter. the things that I raved the most about, I feel are definitely my favorites is Galadriel's gift for Gimli and that whole, the whole thing we can take from that. Uh, and then this imagery of Galadriel and Lorien slipping away as the Fellowship kind of looks back. I I think that both of those are so immensely beautiful. Mine is just how excited Sam gets about rope. He's been talking about it this whole dang book. He finally gets it. Right? <laughs> Mine was the stupid swan boat. No, I'd not. <laughs> No, no, it wasn't the Seriously, swan boat. It, Chase like texted us a picture of a ride the swans boat this morning, and he's like, <laughs> he "Yeah, <did>. guys." <laughs> yeah, I can't. I couldn't help but think about it. Uh, um, it was a super majestic picture too. Um, but for for me, 
it was God, there's there are so many to choose in this one. I don't know why you thought of Ride the Ducks <sighs> and not like the famous swan boats in Boston Common. Because I, because that, you, you know me. <laughs> I go, I go, to, I go to like, I go to something that's a little grittier and nastier. The weirdest place. I go to the weirder one than, than the than the probably logical one. Um, I I don't know. Like I had so many in this one too. I'm actually this is the first time I've been like racked by this like indecision on this. I'm gonna say it was Gimli getting the three the three hairs for the most part that was it and then and I liked how like these two these these two races of people who have not gotten along getting along has always been just nice to me throughout this book so mm-hmm. that it's that yeah and then knowing the greater context into it is even it's even better right I mean because I mean itself alone just just. Just the fact that she grants him his 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 request alone is pretty great. But the, one here's but, three. But then that you can look look into the history of uh, how Galadriel has been reluctant to give out pieces of her hair before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it is a very weird, like sexist request. It is a bizarre. Like, I was even thinking about this while I was reading. It. I was like, this is a weird thing, but. It's a book, but and it's, it's a fantasy book. Well, and it's also, you know, it's 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 not intended in that way at all. No, it's no. A, you know, a, a, a symbol of her kindness that she that he that she has shown to him. All right. Well, anything outside of the book that you want to talk about briefly? Hmm. Well, I am very uh, happy because I got a book I have wanted for a long time. And it is a a book of called Ruins of Ancient Rome, the drawings of French architects who won the Prix de Rome, seventeen eighty six through nineteen twenty four. some title. It, uh, it is a book of basically architectural renderings of Roman ruins, and I am so excited. And that is like, is it big? Is it like that's not huge? Is it bigger? It's like eight, uh, eighteen inches tall. By that's like twelve, I guess. I don't know. That seems pretty big to me, a, but you know a, that's a coffee, a co- table, coffee table, table book. book yeah. yeah, as somebody who deals with books on a regular basis, the bigger books are the bane of my existence. So, uh, every time I see, I, I literally every time I see like a like a book over the size of like six by nine or six and a half by nine, I kind of like get a like twinge in me that's like. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was in it was in the oversized section. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I finally, I guess, heeded the advice of the internet and watched Rick and Morty. Man, that show has a body count. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't going where I thought you were about to say with that. I've not watched it, so I have no idea. I, en- I, I enjoyed it, but I don't know. It has a huge body count. <laughs> the uh, the only thing I can really like talk about that I, I mean... I'm still trucking through Life is Strange, so I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bring that up again. I might talk about it again when I finish it because uh, some crazy stuff just happened in that, so uh, <laughs> it's a little bit denser than I thought it was gonna be. But uh, Saturday, a uh, friend of mine decided he wanted to like have a party where they got together and watched the Star Wars holiday special, and I was like, "You sure about that? You sure about that? You sure about that?" So we all got drunk and watched Star Wars holiday special. Now the act of watching the Star Wars holiday special was not. My favorite thing, but it was like being around a bunch of drunk people 
and we were all together many, and we were lambasting many, it at the same time. Many that of, was fun. Many of whom are experiencing that for the first time. Yes. Watching, watching well, the Star Wars yes. holiday special. The thing oh. about the Star Wars holiday special is it really doesn't have any redeeming value in its terribleness. No. It, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, it is. It's 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 kind of. It's not even like charmingly bad. Yeah, it, you it's, know how some things it's, are. It's not are, like are watching. Bad? It's not like watching an Uwe Ball film where it's so bad it's enjoyable. Or the room. No. You know? Yeah. Like the the act of eating things that are high in carbs and drinking whiskey straight, basically. It's not like watching Troll 2. Yeah. I love me some <laughs> Troll 2. Nilbog is goblin spelled backwards. Backwards. They're eating her and then they're going to eat me. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Yeah. But the, it, you just kind of watch it, and it's more like you're you're digging into this thing that like somebody made a decision about this. Somebody was like, "Yeah, we're gonna put that the big old old uh, Wookiee in a thing that's showing like a woman singing, and she's he's supposed to like get off at that." <laughs> oh yeah, or something. I don't know. Like, uh, and then there's like, like but there, but but the thing is, the thing about the Star Wars holiday special is everything you kind of go, well, it's stupid, and it's not really enjoyable to watch. But there's like there's like one there's like one sketch in there particularly the B Arthur bit I actually will say is kind of awesome I do like that bit, um, but where she's singing the cantina, but there's like one bit where like the Wookiee child is putting together something and he's watching this video of like oh, a yeah. robot who's like falling up who's like malfunctioning trying yeah. to close, and I was like and you watch it and it's the most baffling thing in the entire thing because you're literally watching going this is. Everything else I can get seen intentionality behind it. This I have no idea what they were thinking. Like no idea. It is beyond comprehension of why they put that in there. The the funny thing is that when they were doing episode three, like they were in pre production designing it, and they had that bit of episode three that's set on Kashyyyk, they actually did go to the holiday special for their inspiration on what like Wookiee architecture should look like. Yep, yep. Which just Whatever that George Lucas it. says about the Star Wars holiday special, holiday special, I think is complete and total garbage because of the fact that <laughs> Episode Three borrows so heavily from the look of that thing. And- that was its its day of fame. So embarrassing <laughs> admission. When I was like younger and first heard about the holiday special and the cult around it, uh, you know, it was like, oh, and Jefferson Starship performs on it. I legitimately did not. I knew about Jefferson Airplane. I legitimately not, did not know that Jefferson Starship was a different band, and I thought that they mm-hmm. had just temporarily changed their name <laughs> to Jefferson Starship because they were in the Star Wars Holiday Special. That's cute. Uh, also, this is a little bit random as well. In it, uh, if the only thing I think is the most interesting aspect of watching it is watch it for the old recordings of old commercials. That is oh, yeah, they're really That them. is amazing. Like watching those old commercials is intriguing. The That's old toys cool. and stuff. We were actually watching going, I want that toy. I I like there was like this thing of like um it's like this car you drew it you would draw a track and it would follow this track you would draw. And I'm like, That's amazing. Stuff like that. That was yeah, <laughs> that, that was mine. Um I so I this week I saw the most adorable video that I've ever seen and I've seen it everywhere this past week and it's a little short video clip of this little girl sitting on Santa Claus's lap at her like mall or whatever and so you know Santa Claus goes to ask her what what do you want for Christmas and then the mom says like she doesn't speak so Santa what does he do instantly he asks well does she sign and turns out she can sign a little bit so then he starts to sign to her 
um, which was like my heart melted and I got like my eyes got real itchy. I think there was <laughs> dust in them or something. And then they started to water. And uh, that was like the real Santa Claus. I loved it. It was really cute. But Apparently. So cute. So she was. um, They're British. It takes place mm-hmm. in, I think, like, northern England. And so they were using mm-hmm. BSL because I saw some comments and the guy, the, the like, top comment, he was like, well, they have a crazy accent. And somebody's like, wait, you mean they have an accent, like, what they're signing? And he's like, yeah, I'm American, but I know a little bit of British sign language because they're totally different. And mm-hmm. I just, it was interesting, like, watching him go, you know, talk about, like, how sign language has an accent and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If you so, want the Christmas spirit instantly, you watch, watch that, that little video. Because yeah. didn't you like send it to us? Yeah, yeah and told it, us to it, watch it. It, it will was make great. you believe in magic. Um, but then the other thing, and actually, to be tr- fair, this made me believe in magic too. So, uh, it, for anyone who doesn't know about me, so one of the other things that I love to do is figure skate, and I'm also like a huge fan of elite figure skating, and I follow it religiously. And so this is kind of the this is the middle of the season right now, and what's taking place this weekend is the grand prix final so basically throughout the season people have competed at different events and only the top six are at this competition well so the the absolute best male figure skater in the world right now he's one of my favorites yeah and so uh, two weeks ago he smashed world records in both of his programs short and long program and he he smashed them by like 20 points and then today he did his short program at the Grand Prix final and he beat his own record <laughs> by like six more points. Oh my he scored, God. He scored 110.95, which is completely unprecedented. There's no way. I'm, he, he, I think he got a 10 in the second mark, which is insane. Um, watching that was magical and I, I, I can't. I like bow down. You've had two brushes with magic this, this past week. <laughs> exactly. You need, you need That's be, what my favorites were. Believing be in magic this week. <laughs> <laughs> like listening to goats uh, doing Silent Night. <laughs> but yeah, Santa Claus and Yuzuru Hanyu giving me uh, magical experiences. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, when when does when does don't we have an episode going up like Christmas Eve or something? I by think the way? so. Yeah. 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 Christmas is on a Friday this year. Yeah, we got an episode. Our next episode is going up on Christmas Eve. Ah, that'll be a Christmas present. And then our, I'm trying to get it to work out where our last episode is Christmas Eve. But yeah. anyway, sorry, John. <laughs> I was just going to say thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm going to do that thing where I ask you to log into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Please, 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 please. I know it's annoying, but every podcaster does it, and we all do it for the same reason. It's because it actually really does help us out. So thank you. I would also like to thank our Patreon supporters, Benjamin, John, Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, and Micah. Thank you so much for uh, donating to us on Patreon. Um, it has allowed us to buy a new microphone, and um, hopefully in a little while we'll be able to purchase a couple of other, a couple of other uh, equipment needs that we have. And we did just, um, what's the word I'm looking for, renew our domain and email for another year. So yes. thank you guys. Thank you so much. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. No, you're Kella Chase. The light of the Kella Chase. <laughs> the one I came up today was Chase of Chaos Blurry Road. Because <laughs> I was going through the Golden Globe nominations for some reason that came to mind. And I was being, you know, super catty like I am about them. <laughs> the Mad Max Fury Road is nominated for Best Picture Drama. 
I saw and that. The Martian is is nominated for comedy. best picture comedy. I'm like, the Martian what world is nominated do we live in? for comedy? It's I think they, they. My guess is they 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 were trying to get. They really want to nominate it, and they couldn't. They couldn't were they, they the drama was full. Yeah. So they just were like, let's slide that into comedy. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated. 